I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school, HQ, top five in basketball, top two in baseball, top five in football. Yes, there's a national championship game coming up right after we record this very program. Who cares? It is all things Tennessee Volunteers all the time. But no, we must talk about other things outside of the Tennessee Volunteers on this very program. And to do that and talk all things NFL as he is here at this time every single week, Mr. Evan Swords of 49ers Hub out there in Los Angeles, California. You wouldn't know it with his attire tonight, but Evan is here. Evan, good evening. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Go Niners. Are you cold? Is it cold in uh, LA? No, I, well, it actually, so it is. It's been raining. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm back in Portland. Um, we have like a huge rainstorm for the last couple of days. Uh, but no, I'm not cold. I just uh, very adamantly wanted to wear all of the 49ers uh, apparel that I could. I like it. I like it. Also here from everywhere on the internet, Jarrett Bailey. Jarrett, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm not wearing any NFL apparel. I'm wearing a Sublime shirt. I don't listen to Sublime. This is just $7 at Walmart. So I got it. There you go. I'm a big fan of the oversized t-shirt. You okay. know, it was, it was that or like... Uh, what what are the other like cliche band? I don't like, know. They got like Rolling Stones ones. They Rolling got, Stones, like, yeah. Uh, a Rick and Morty there for all the sixteen year old stoners. So Slipknot, probably. Yeah. Slipknot's My wife fun. and I are rewatching. She's never watched The Sopranos, so we're doing her first time. And I've been watching since I first watched it over a decade ago, and it's I just absolutely love it. But uh, what's his name? AJ Soprano. We're now two episodes in where the man has been walking around school with his Marilyn Manson t-shirt. So he had a strong oh, Marilyn, Marilyn Manson. Manson. Great music. Um, uh, vibe. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah, the band t-shirts. I, I was never a big band t-shirt guy or oversized because I'm a skinny guy. Oversized t-shirts don't work for me. I'm, that, that's uh, why just, I like them. I think it's just kind of the vibe, you know, you let them hang. I got tattoos. So like, especially if it hangs down, like below my elbow, people think I have more tattoos than I do. So it's just kind of like mm. an optical illusion, you know? There you go. Not a, like are it. you, are you a Marilyn Manson guy? Chase Thomas. Me? No, Chase probably listens to NP, <laughs> like NPR while he works out. Like, um, yeah, mostly it's podcasts. And then if I'm like my running, I don't believe in running, um, with music 
or anything. Like I don't run with headphones, so I just like run. literal serial killer behavior. <laughs> you're avenging someone's death. Like no, absolute serial killer behavior. You're supposed to enjoy it, and I get way more enjoyment out of running with just getting hearing the birds and hearing all the different sal- like sights and sounds of every, the city. Every day, every day, you say something more washed. <laughs> every time we do this, from it's just like not running. That's, yeah, that's what gives me enjoyment. Uh, I, I I think ninety nine point nine percent of the people that run are not like, how can I enjoy this more? They're like, how do I get through this without mm. killing myself? See, I have how, the opposite did, perspective. I did enjoy you it. cross country and stuff like that. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I never could do that. Never. Well, I mean, if you ever want to get into Marilyn Manson, uh, the beautiful people. It's a very good song. I would highly recommend. Mm. That was a SmackDown theme song for a little bit back in the day. Wow, Chase Thomas with the wrestling knowledge. Hey, I grew up big wrestling guy. Big wrestling guy. That made me happy. Um, but it, he didn't they didn't have it that long though, if I remember correctly. No, it was pretty it was no. brief. Yeah, it was the very early two thousands. Then they transitioned into um I can't remember the name of it, but uh that was like like oh four to like oh seven. They had the same mm. one for quite a while. Well, my wife yeah, she's not a fan of my like choices in the car. My wife, like, listen, my wife uh, to <laughs> my choices because generally speaking, I'm listening to something um, podcast related. Like Evan said, NPR, Fresh Air. Shout out to Terry Gross, um, fantastic. Hidden Brain is a is a favorite of mine. Um, but I was the worst guy when I was in college, um, undergrad. Like you did not want to have me around for a pump up. Like I should never be allowed to drive the car because they would get so upset. My best friends, because they were like, we are going out to the bars and you have slates, political gab fest talking about um, inflation or just withdrawing from Afghanistan. And like, that's how we're, that's how we're diving into the bar. This is not, I'm like, that's, See, like me and you were both not allowed to use the aux cord, but for completely different reasons. I'm like, hey, I want to play Fallout Boy. And you're like, I want people to just go home. Are you like Fallout Boy swords? Of course. Are you kidding me? Fallout Boy is one of the greatest. Evan has lost his voice no less than four times uh, by listening to Fallout Boy. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like on this podcast. I was going to say, I lost my voice a little bit on Mm. Friday, but not too bad. I'm an avid Fallout Boy hater. I mean, mm. dude, you listen to like the most cliche, like I want to like grunge, kill myself. Or, bleh. No, like your your favorite bands, like like most like important feature about them is that they just like to dress up like it's Halloween mm. all the time. So like, I mean, I get it. Ice Night Kills is a fun band. Motionless yeah. and is a fun band. Give them a listen if you're into metal and you're or if you're looking to get into metal. John Coltrane. He's pretty good. I yeah. like his stuff. How do we how do we go transition this to football? <laughs> oh, it's easy. This is easy. Jared Bailey. Hi. We don't have to transition. You lost a big bet on the 49ers that uh the receipts came out and mm. not it only wasn't did even you go- a bet though. It wasn't a bet. Let's just set the stage with okay. like Jared's mentality throughout like how that conversation got started in April and like May and like you know where where your head was then. Sure. Um no, I- I, I think it was on this show where we were talking about it. Um, yeah, no, I just thought that, you know, Trey Lance would be the quarterback throughout the season. And I thought there would be some growing pains. And early on, we saw a little bit of those growing pains. Granted, it was, you know, against the Bears in a monsoon. So a little bit unfair to grade there. And then they lose Trey Lance in week two and transitioning to Jimmy Garoppolo, who eventually gets hurt as well. And then Brock Purdy comes in and they just keep winning. So, I mean, kudos to the team. Fantastic job all around by Kyle Shanahan. 
Um, but yeah, no, I had them as a nine and eight team in my final projections as the final wild card spot. And a uh, few people had said something about, oh, you're going to eat your words when they go 13 and four. And nowhere in my mind did I see that team going 13 and four um, just because of the quarterback position um, and how long I thought it would take Trey Lance to progress. And lo and behold, they did. And at the time I said, if they go 13 and four, I will air fry a shirt and eat it. Um it's been brought to my attention by several people that that's not in the best health <laughs> regards for me. So we're thinking of a compromise, but something will be done to my taste buds. That isn't fun. Uh, and it will be streamed. It will be all over the place. Everybody can watch it. Oh, man of my word. We'll, uh, we'll do something fun with it. So but I got to fit in an air fryer. We have one. We're a big air fryer family here. I think it would just get, it would catch on fire. I have, uh, by the way, I have an air fryer that I, maybe I just didn't go out like all the way and get like the most expensive one. Cause I just got like a mid tier air fryer. Mm. Everything I throw in that I, I burn everything. Vegetables really? burn. Chicken burn. Well, like, you got to come out to Knoxville. My wife will show yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, my I, wife's I, an expert. I, I, I promise you, I'm not going in blind. I am only doing what Google Magic tells me to do. What someone from Google with their eight thousand ads in one page recipe of recipe will tell me to do is what I'm doing. And I, every time, follow the instructions, get it wrong. So, um, but the one thing I am curious about though, in terms mm. of like your, your, your punishment that obviously is more so of just like your, what you yourself, uh, deem fair, right? Cause at the end of the day, it is your decision. Uh-huh. I, uh, I've, you know, it's been great options, right? There's been the one chip challenge, right? Yeah. Where you, though, you like, it's like the very, very like hot chip. Yeah. You seemed very open to that idea as you understand that like it has to be a, a you know kind of a painful uncomfortable thing yeah um you were not open to what i think is the funnest and best uh option which is the 24-hour pancake mm-hmm. uh diner have you ever heard of that chase i've heard of like the waffle house equivalent where you have to eat like a certain amount of wa- like you right. can't leave waffle house until you eat a it's certain amount same, of waffles it's the same yeah. thing you have to okay. be there for 24 hours and the only way that you can get time off is by eating one one yeah. pancake per hour um and i you know jared didn't seem interested in that what's 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 up with that you that can seems do like that jared as someone who has body image problems um eating a can i swear on this podcast James? yeah sure eating a fuckload of pancakes would not do <laughs> would not do well for for those for my mental health so i i get that, that. that i respect that's that. why if Look, if I didn't have that, if I didn't care, then that would be something fun that I would be open to doing. But well, I, so I think I think the one chip challenge then probably like sets sets the stage. What's the, I one, like chip the one chip challenge? Or I like the uh, the six wings with the bomb hot sauce because that's one that I haven't had yet, and everybody on hot ones that I've seen says that that's the worst one because I've had the last dab and it sucks, but like it's it's doable. I've had. Can you do hot, hot stuff? Hot generally speaking, or. Is it uh, an issue for you? Because I can't hot do hot stuff. stuff. Okay. Yeah, I can I'm do hot stuff. Um, but there is a point where it just stops being good and it just tastes like fire. And mm. so, and apparently that's what the bomb is. So mm-hmm. I would be open to doing like six wings with, you know, just doused in that. Or yeah, the one chip challenge. Anything that would be. In, but that's in that the thing. Like to me, like like even like saying like six wings of de bomb seems like insane insanity because they'll do one where they just take a bite of it and it's like they're ready to just end it all. So I feel mm-hmm. like maybe that's not the. I mean, I wouldn't want you to do six wings. No. I'd say like we two wings. We do something. Two wings, maybe. Now there, I have thought. I think that something that would be even funnier would just be like something gross. Like, um, I don't know I don't, if you know what bile is. 
but um, I'm not even quite sure what bio is, to be honest. I saw it on Good Mythical Morning. They made Spell a bio. It? B-I-L-E. Bio. Ew, I don't see. I don't but, like gross. I think gross. <laughs> I think gross is funnier. Like hot. Yeah, that's fine. But it's been done. Like watching people just eat gross things is amusing to me. And I think it would be amusing to everybody else. No, I, I can I can I can comfortably say that uh, hot will be better than gross. Comfortably. Now, in terms of general public, not just me. Bile is like, again, I don't know what it is, but I saw them eat it on Good Mythical Morning. Uh, they made a bile cheesecake and they said it was one of the worst things that they've ever eaten. And that sounds really funny. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there you go. Um, look out for that. Do you want people to tweet ideas at you, Jarrett? Uh, for I mean, they mean? can if they want um, at Jay Bailey NFL if you want to tweet ideas at me uh, for what I should eat. Don't make it anything stupid. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, if you want to tweet ideas, if you have ideas, by all means, throw them my way. Um, and well, uh, like I said, we'll details will get tweeted out and whatnot when it's happening. We'll stream it and everything. So yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be paid off. Don't worry. There you go. Um, ski the, the, the ski hawks, the Seahawks. Are they a scary matchup for you in round one? <laughs> <Evan>? <laughs> No, the Seahawks are going to get destroyed. I will put it right here. There is no world in which they are, you know, maybe they score a touchdown or two. Uh, the, the Seahawks have, you know, had the 49ers card every single step of the way for the last decade. They have mm -hmm. made me a, if you can't tell, 49ers fan uh, for the people on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm just aggressively waving down all of my 49ers gear that I'm wearing mm -hmm. right now. Uh, they've made my life miserable. Growing up in Portland, Pacific Northwest, there's nothing worse than being a 49ers fan the last decade because it's just been pain and sadness. And Seahawks fans are miserable and they have been, you know, they basically have had like a trump card golden ticket to being able to brag as fans for a long time uh, when it comes to 49ers. That said, they beat the Seahawks twice this year. The first game, they absolutely dominated them. Um, I was at that game. And yeah, I, you know, their run defense is terrible. It was like what 28th ranked or something like that in terms of like run defense uh, right now, the, the Niners. I'm very happy that the 49ers have someone like the Seahawks to play. I got a lot of respect for Geno Smith. I think he's a great story. I'm happy for him. Uh, it is unfortunate that he's got to play the 49ers at his first playoff game since I think maybe ever. Um, but yeah, the Niners are going to destroy them. They're they are firing on all cylinders. Christian McCaffrey is the most dominant weapon in the NFL right now. Nick Bosa is the most dominant defensive player in the NFL, defensive uh, MVP this year. I it I mean the line came out uh, eleven point spread, and I, and the, immediately the the Niners are going to win by two touchdowns. Mm. Do you share that sentiment, Jarrett? I'm betting the Seahawks to cover, but I think the 49ers will win. Hmm. Um, there since week 12 now i love stuff like this uh if you go to uh rbsdm.com with great advanced stats uh since week 12 we go by team tiers, the 49ers have been in a tier by themselves they've been fantastic uh so they are the first tier the second tier teams like the chiefs the bills the lions over the past month and a half the steelers somehow the seahawks are hovering on the fifth and sixth so down the stretch they haven't played well um and if not for a bad jalen ramsey penalty that set them up in field goal range, which by the way, they didn't even make, which is hilarious. Um, 
And if not for a really bad Baker Mayfield interception uh, in overtime, they might not even be in this spot. So um, that said, you know, I understand that Brock Purdy has played well. Eventually, this is the first playoff. Eventually, he's going to stumble a little bit. I'm, I, 49ers are going to win this game. They have a fantastic defense, the best in the league. Um, but I'm not going to sleep on Geno Smith, Metcalf, Lockett, Kenneth Walker. Their defense has been solid. I'm not going to sleep on all the pieces. I think that they cover. I don't think they win, uh, but I think it'll be closer than 11. Hmm. I, I will say um, the 49ers, you know, they've been just stomping teams out the last cut. You know, they've hit 30, 30 points, uh, like something like 11 times this season. Um, Can they, I also, they, uh, not to yeah, interrupt these words, but the last, you know, the quarterbacks that they've played over the last few weeks, Derek Stidham looked like God, and David Blau was who they closed the season out with. So there has to be a little bit of context with that. Right, 100%. Um, but I will say this. They 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 have, for the most part, not had much adversity. Um, against Oakland Party, I think, was the first time where we ever saw, like, if he might struggle, what would that look like? Um, and I think even this this week, against the Cardinals, whereas he did have a very good game, there were points in the film where you could watch and be like, this is maybe how he struggles. Uh, there was a couple, there was a sack that he took. Uh, there was like, you know, 17 yards or something like that. There was some designed rollouts. There was a design run that didn't work that we were all kind of questioning, scratching our heads with Kyle calling that play. Um, ultimately, Brock Purdy has done everything you would expect out of a veteran quarterback in the time that he has played, his numbers are fantastic. I think he's like statistically the best quarterback since he started, um, you know, maybe outside of Patrick Mahomes um, in it, but yeah, the playoffs are the playoffs and there's no way to really, there's, you know, there's no really anything can happen in the playoffs and Pete Carroll is very good at motivating his team. Um, but I do very much so expect Kyle Shanahan to have a very specific, very detailed, very methodical plan the second the playoffs start. And I think that they're going to see probably the best version of the 49ers and what they can look like, period. Uh, and then some final things. George Kittle has 11 touchdowns this year. It's the first time he's ever had double-digit touchdowns. He's got seven touchdowns, I think, in like the last four games. He's benefited um, a lot since Purdy's taken Pur over. Purdy and him have a connection that is just – it's incredible. Purdy's uh, throw in the back end zone. It wasn't a fade, but it was a really nice touch pass. It was gorgeous. Um, those are the things that I think matter most. You got Debo coming back. Ayuk has been Ayuk. He's been you know what you know what he is all year. But this George Kittle thing is new. It is since Brock Purdy started, and it I think is going to be a very big deal come time of the playoffs. Uh, as you know, every year the teams that win in the playoffs, the teams that win in the Super Bowl, have very big impact players on both sides of the ball. And there's no team right now that has more impact players than the 49ers. Yeah, and I just forgot that Debo's just been out. It's just that, like the Niners have been rolling for so many weeks that you just don't even realize that Debo's not a factor. And um, you mentioned the the touchdown jump uh, with Kittle. I wonder, do you know the incentive difference for Kittle with his touchdowns? Like how much money did Brock Purdy make uh, George Kittle in the last month of the season? I'm going to go ahead and guess. It was, uh, it was pretty nice. The, the Cyhawk connection between the two of them uh paid off in a big way i'm gonna guess on and off the field um in terms of the steelers 
We saw a different thing down the stretch here for Pittsburgh. Um, if a couple things go their way on Sunday, um, they're in the playoffs. Obviously not the kind of in they wanted to have, no. but they were still left for dead uh, for the majority of this season. And I mean, Jarrett, we've talked about this uh, coming into the year, uh, the middle of this year, and how much just pain this offense was causing Steelers fans uh, over the the first half of the season. But then things flipped. Uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, a good part of that. Also just getting healthy and having some big time playmakers. Warren as a third down back uh, was awesome. And they found something big there uh, going into next year. So it just does not have to only be Najee Harris. But uh, what changed for you with Kenny Pickett down the stretch, Jarrett? Um. Uh, truthfully, I don't think much really changed with the offense. The offense has still largely been not great. Um, in terms of what helped them the most, I think getting TJ Watt back helped. Um, you know, when you have the reigning defensive player of the year on the on that side of the ball, um, th- that's always going to make a difference. I think also playing a lot of bad teams helped. They played mm. uh, the Colts. They played the Falcons. Um, Whoa, they... hold on. That's 2023 offseason champ Atlanta Falcons <laughs> with $82 million to spend. We'll get to them. Yeah, they played Marcus Mariota, har har. Um, they played a bad, bad Ravens team twice. Now, obviously, they lost the first matchup, but Mitch Trubisky also threw three gifts to the Ravens. <clears throat> so Kenny protected the ball um, a lot better in the second half. I'll give him that. Um, and then, yeah, tip of the cap for the, you know, the the two game winning drives that he had in consecutive weeks. Um, I will say though, the offense still stunk for the first 57 minutes of both of those games, and uh, and the Raiders game, the final drive was the first time they reached the red zone against one of the league's worst defenses. So, why is that? Why have they struggled to do that? Because Matt Canada, and it looks like he, there's a decent chance he might be back, and I hope to God that's not true. Um, but well, we'll see on that. Um, but look. Like I said, kudos to Kenny Pickett for leading those drives. He's still not. How do I want to put this? He showed improvement. There's no denying that. I don't think that. Matt Verderan made a very good point on my show saying that we need to stop proclaiming people as, oh, my goodness, he's him after one good drive, one good play, because then that sets up unrealistic expectations. And then when those expectations aren't met, then everybody's like, oh, I guess we were wrong. He's not good. Like, there has to be a happy medium. Kenny Pickett mm. made his three best throws as a Steeler on that final drive against the Ravens, and the, the dart to Najee Harris with a window this big, fantastic. However, there's still the first 55 minutes of the game where the offense looked god-awful. He took a lot of bad sacks, made a lot of not good plays. Yeah, look, he's a rookie. I understand that. But people need to calm down. And, oh, he's him. Like, he threw for 160 yards. Let's calm down. Um so I think getting a real offensive coordinator in there, like I've said this for the last two months, if Tomlin is legitimate about wanting to win and take this team to the playoffs and progressing Kenny Pickett, go get Frank Reich. Mm. Get Frank Reich, hire from outside the organization for once in your career. The last time he did that, he brought in Todd Haley and the offense was fantastic for three years. So if you want to capitalize on Kenny Pickett's progression. You want to capitalize on Najee Harris and Jalen Warren becoming a really good one-two punch, an offensive line that got better. George Pickens becoming a star in front of our eyes and a really good tight end in Pat Fryermuth. Go get somebody who's a genius when it comes to play design and getting the best out of quarterbacks that, you know, might be a little bit limited. Like we saw what Frank Reich did with Carson Wentz, and you know, in hindsight, he might deserve a Nobel Prize for that. So if he can 
if he can, if they, if they bring in somebody like Frank Reagan, he can get the best out of Kenny Pickett. This is going to be a 10 11 win team next year. I, you know, I got to say, it's really, really nice surprise to see the Steelers finally hit on a wide receiver. Right? That's, <laughs> that, that's been, you know, a nice little uh, revelation. It must be, it must be, you know, a long time coming. Hey, fingers crossed they take another one and uh, ship a certain one elsewhere for more draft compensate. Yes, someone that I will never allow on my fantasy football team ever again because, wow, that was tough. Zero touchdowns after an $18 million a year extension for Deontay Johnson. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm I might have auto drafted the first five rounds of my fantasy league this year because I am a degenerate. Um, but that wasn't one of my picks. I probably might have still picked him up, you know, especially after that extension. Uh, that was terrible. Speaking of receivers and terribleness uh, in Pittsburgh, Chase Claypool, though, was traded. <laughs> Speaking of people who deserve a Nobel Prize, Omar Khan deserves every he's an executive of the year for getting basically a first round pick, by the way, because that's going to be the number 32 overall pick since the Dolphins have their have one of their picks. Uh, they had to forfeit it. So this is the mm. number 32 overall pick in the draft that the Steelers got for Chase Claypool, who, by the way, I think had, what, 12 catches since he's become a Chicago Bear. Is it not? Is it less than that? I don't know. It's something like that. I mean, whatever it is, he was a non-factor for this. Non-factor what did they end the season on? How many games did they lose in a row? Because they started uh, off 20, two and they one. They their final 10. Yeah, that's, oh my goodness. <sighs> that's somebody who writes uh, about the Chicago Bears for USA Today. It has been a, uh, it was a roller coaster of, oh, Justin Fields made, you know, a 70-yard run, but he also went 10 of 24, two picks, and they only lost by one because he can run like hell. But yeah, man, Chase Claypool has done zero for that offense. And look, Chase Claypool, fine dude. I, nothing against him personally. Um, teams need to stop thinking that he's going to be a downfield threat. He's not that. Like nobody has ever been 6'4 for no reason more than Chase Claypool. Put him, put him in the slot. Let him eat underneath. That's what he is good at. He's, he's basically a slot tight end. Use him like that. And I hope that Luke Getzey and Matt Eberflus realize that going forward and utilize him the way that he can help the offense rather than trying to make him something that he's not, which is what Pittsburgh tried to do uh, as well, and it didn't work. So I like Chase Claypool. I hope that he finds success. He's a nice dude. Um, but yeah, not worth what the Bears gave up for him. And I think the Bears have very big buyer's remorse right now. The Bears so- are in a good situation, though, all together. Having your quarterback and the number one overall pick because Lovey Smith, I mean, we'll get there, but Lovey Smith did what he did. They're in a great situation. They can easily trade down and fix a lot of things, even if they, they only do, trade down they to a couple, do a couple of things. Yeah, they could stay put and take Will Anderson, who's the consensus best player in the draft. Uh, they can trade down, which I th- I think is what everybody thinks they're going to do. Um, or there is a world where, you know, got to remember, this administration did not draft Justin Fields. Um, Ryan Poles and Matty Rufus did not draft this quarterback. And as fun as Justin Fields is to watch, he was bottom of the league in EPA plus completion percentage over expected, bottom of the league in EPA per play, um, made a lot of bad throws. Like for every great run Justin Fields had, he, there's a 7 to 21 with the worst interception you've ever seen against the Lions. Like there's got to be, like we have to have an honest conversation about Justin Fields being, like, is he going to be progressing into a legitimate pocket passer? Um, hey, look, we've seen guys do it. We've seen Jalen Hurts take a step forward. We've seen Lamar Jackson take a step forward. Um, they need to get Justin Fields a guy if they if they expect to uh, to see some progression out of him because throwing to 
Velas Jones and Byron Pringle and Cole Komet can only do so much for a guy. Right. Um, I would like to see them swing for the fences and go out and do what Philadelphia did last year and try to get him a guy like AJ Brown and what he did for Jalen Hurts. Um, who that guy may be, go read my piece on USA Today about who that guy may be. Uh, Where are they in cap space? Cap space like, fine, man. Yeah, they're doing good. Yeah, I think them, they they're, they're one of the teams I think that the 49ers should trade or inquire about trading Debo. Is that a possibility? Is Debo this could be it for Debo? I don't think it's a I don't know. It's it's definitely not anything other than my head. Um it's not like anyone's like expecting it, but yeah. it's very obvious every time that Debo was injured this this season, and I think it was two little stretches, the offense continued on exactly as if nothing happened. Many times people were like, Oh, I forgot he's not even playing right now. And that's not anything against Debo. Debo's an incredible player. It's more so about just what Christian McCaffrey does to this offense, and 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 there's a little bit of overlap there. I think a really good situation for Debo would maybe be you know end up the Niners trading a decent haul to a team that needs him like that. And um, if we see them trade back, that could be something where they use that compensation and would you know for from the number number one overall pick, and especially if they trade with the Texans because the Texans have a second uh, no second first round pick the 12th overall pick in the draft so if they if the texans package two and 12 as part of a deal to move up to one to prevent teams like indy from moving up especially in division they don't want indianapolis to get a guy like bryce young and potentially get their their franchise quarterback in division so that might cause them to overpay a little bit to move up one spot and if they do that okay if you're chicago you've got now i think four picks in the top 100 two first round picks you can use one of them package you know future first um to, to try to get a legit guy, whether it be you know Debo Samuel, if that's something that does happen, we, weirder things have happened. If it's a guy maybe like DK Metcalf, if it's somebody like Deontay Johnson, I don't know if they would be going back to that Steelers well after what happened with Chase Claypool, but it's something to keep them. They need to get somebody. Um, who that may be, I don't know. Um, I had a few ideas in my mind and I wrote about it. So again, go read that. Um, I'll give away the big one though, and you can go read the rest. Devontae Adams. You want to get Justin Fields a guy, Get somebody who is on a team that's in absolute limbo right now. Go get Devontae Adams. I like it. Um, I wonder if he'd do it. Do you think he has any just like, I want to, I left the cold tundra and I left, uh, I left Green Bay for a reason. I don't really want to jump back in, especially if Aaron Rodgers is back for a year. Does he want to play his buddy uh, twice? Uh, Again, that's, that's a lot of different factors that would have to be discussed, but I think that the, the bear should at least at very minimum do their due diligence and call Vegas and be like, Hey, what would you want for Devontae? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of different guys that would come to mind in terms of who they could reach out to. And we see trades. It seems like the past three years or so, we've seen a, a few trades in the offseason that no one really expected to happen. Um, but it was big names. Like we saw the Odell trade to Cleveland. Uh, we've seen um, the, the Russell Wilson trade last year. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the offseason. Now teams are more keen to trade than they were uh, over the last decade and a half or so. So especially for a team who we've seen guys with kind of the Justin Fields blueprint where, okay, very mobile guy, very exciting guy to watch struggles, throwing the ball. We get him a guy. We'll see what happens. Hey, it worked for Jalen hurts really well. It worked for a guy like Josh Allen really well. I'm not saying that he's going to end up being either of those guys, but the talent is clearly there. And um, I would rather see the bears not treat him the way that the Ravens have treated Lamar Jackson in terms of not ever getting any receivers there. Um, 
So I think that that's something that they could look at and be like, let's try to avoid like our big splash signing being a prehistoric Deshaun Jackson, who, by the way, they cut last week. So it's there are definitely two sides of the coin that they could flip. And uh, hopefully they look at the former in terms of Jalen Hurts and be like, let's go get him a guy like A.J. Brown and see if that helps him. Last thing on the Steelers I want to ask. Big name who played a last game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Who do you think that my that fans saw play their last game as a Steeler on Sunday afternoon? Big name who played a last game. Oh, have I not seen this? What what uh what position? Any position. Who do you think is not back that fans oh, are like not even oh, thinking okay. about like he's just not back? Who's not back as a Steeler next year? That is a good question. I think Terrell Edmonds is a big possibility. Hmm. Um, he, the last two years, man, outside of TJ Watt, he's been their most consistent defender. Like Mika Fitzpatrick is a, obviously the more talented guy in terms of just, he's going to be there every game. He's going to be solid. He can be reliable. Terrell Edmonds has been their second most reliable guy. Why would he um, not be back? Yeah, he signed a prove it deal this year. Nobody expected him to be back this past year because he, um, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. They signed him to a one year deal last year. They did the same thing this year. Mm. Um, now that his brother is also going to be a free agent, somebody asked him today if uh, he would like to bring his brother to Pittsburgh. He said, Hey, if that happens, then so be it. Um, so there's a little bit of murmurs about the Steelers wanting to try to get both Edmonds brothers there, which they seem to always get at least like three sets of brothers on the roster at the same time. Um, they have both Haywards, they have two Watts, they might as well add the Edmonds. Um, so Terrell Edmonds is fantastic, um, but the fact that they're already paying T.J. Watt big money, they're paying Minka Fitzpatrick big money, hard to justify paying both safeties. Um, now, he's not an elite safety, so you could probably get him on a respectable deal where you could play the cap and bundle a lot of it into a signing bonus or whatever. I'm not going to pretend to be a cap expert, but there are ways that they could get him in there and toy with the cap. Um, I, I hope that they find a way to keep him because it took them. There, there was a few safeties before him that were not good. And when he was drafted, people were a little bit hesitant because it took him a little bit of time to get going. But the past two seasons, he's been fantastic. And um, I hope that it's not his last game as a Steeler because he's been really good. Um, but it very well could be. I think that Devin Bush is, is gone after this year. Um, he's, I don't know, man. He had that really solid rookie year, hurt his knee the next season and hasn't been the same since. I don't think he comes back. Miles Jack probably doesn't come back. Um, so we'll see what happens um, with the linebacker spot, but I would be very surprised if if if, if Devin Bush is back. Um, hmm. So those are my, my two or three that I don't think will be back on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, nah. I don't think it's anybody big. I think Rudolph will walk. I think Trubisky will probably be gone. Um, they'll probably get a couple new backups in, but in terms of the big names, Edmonds and Bush are, are the two big ones. There you go. Um, Falcons are going to have a lot of new faces because they have a bunch of cap space going into uh, this offseason. $82 because they had to eat a bunch of dead money. I think it was $82 million in dead money this year um, total for this team in the Matt Ryan trade. And I mean, just all kinds of salary cap hell uh, for the Falcons. For Worth uh, it. I mean, it, it was worth it in terms... Okay. There has been some revisionist history on Thomas Dimitrov's tenure in Atlanta. Um, Thomas Dimitrov was a very good GM who put together the best roster in football. Like you can go back and read the Bill Barnwell ESPN pieces from like 2018 where the Falcons had the best roster in football. And I mean, obviously they get to the Super Bowl um, and there was one particular year they played the Patriots. I don't remember how it all ended, but there was some year where the Falcons really put it all together in the Thomas Dimitrov era. But unfortunately, my memory's a little hazy on how that season ultimately unfolded but in terms of where the falcons are now they have been 
they've been careful with how they've approached things. There was one blip uh, this past offseason going after a quarterback they should not have gone after um, and ultimately did not get, thankfully. Um, Drake London looks like he's going to be a star. He was fantastic this year um, and had a great uh, end to his season. Um, six catches, 120 yards. I mean, he had, I think, yeah, 72 receptions on the year. Kyle Pitts had 68 um, his rookie year in 2021. He obviously got hurt and missed a lot of time down the stretch here. Um, but he's still a great player. You look at Tyler Algier, who just incredible value uh, for this team. I don't think anyone saw him being this much of a factor. He's not Derrick Henry 2.0, but he is like he's like a reincarnation of Michael Turner to me. Um, watching him week over week, and that's really good. Uh, and he was extremely effective. Ran for over 100 again this week. Um, he ran for over a thousand yards. I think he broke the Falcons' rushing uh, rookie rushing record uh, this particular season as well. So he was he was awesome. And I I'm just very curious from y'all's perspective do you think the falcons are moving in the right direction because i think this is going to be a very interesting team to watch because i think the afc south is entering a transition now where the bucks are going to lose brady probably um they're probably going to lose a a couple more guys i don't see this thing continuing on uh they barely survived this year and if it's a if it's blaine gabbard or whoever they're probably not winning division it's not Brady who set his own. He broke his own completion uh, record this year, which is weird under the radar. But the Panthers, I think, are taking a step back. They have questions with uh, the quarterback stuff. They might bring back Wilkes and we can go back through the history of uh, when you make that decision. I mean, you saw it in the division this year, with Dennis Allen in uh, in New Orleans. They're going through a rebuild. I just go up and down the list where I'm like, the door is just opening for the Falcons to have a really, really ambitious offseason and really replenish the defense and maybe make a offensive line signing or two lock up Lindstrom who's been fantastic and I think the Falcons are next team up in the NFC is like I think they're gonna they're gonna surprise folks um, finishing seven and ten I think the ten wins next year would not be out of the realm of possibility I think they have a possibility of going in the next year as the NFC South favorites that's not homerism is it Jarrett no no uh, I think that you you pointed out all, all the right things there um, I don't think that Brady's back in Tampa Bay uh, Carolina's in a weird transition phase where we don't know who their head coach is going to be. We don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Um, and New Orleans, uh, you know, Dennis Allen wasn't a good hire. I think that we, we all kind of agreed on that coming in. And then who's their quarterback going to be? Like it was Andy Dalton all year. Jameis Winston was complaining about losing his job when he was hurt. Um, the, the entire division is a mess. Let me, point, let me, let me throw this at you. There's a certain quarterback that is going to be a free agent who grew up not far away from Atlanta played in college not far away from atlanta lamar jackson could be a move for the atlanta falcons and i think under our with the arthur smith type offense you know we saw him run it with marcus mariota and they were in the playoff race up to like what week 14 um i think that that's something that could absolutely be on the table odds are slim yes but it's something fun to think about do i think it ultimately happens no but it's something fun to think about now, more realistic options, whether they do a quarterback, I don't know. Do they see if Desmond Ritter is the real deal? I don't think he is. I think this quarterback class is really, really bad. Um, and I, I haven't seen anything that says Ritter has any potential to be a franchise quarterback, in my opinion, at least. Um, so if they go after one of these free agents to be a bridge, if they try to get a, a guy in the draft, like if they want to move up for a guy like Will Levis, or maybe they don't have to move up depending on what happens in the draft. Um, Anthony Richardson, maybe. 
um, at, at quarterback to run this Arthur, Arthur Smith type style offense. I think that would be a lot of fun. So it's a Pandora's box for the Falcons, but I don't see a lot of bad in it. Like they, like you said, Drake London looks really good. Algier looks really good. Kyle Pitts will be back. Uh, if they find a quarterback that can do better than Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter, which is not a high bar, um, they could be, you know, a nine, 10 win team. And in, in that division, we saw this year that'll win it. So especially when you have potentially division opponents quarterbacked by the likes of Matt Corral, whoever, Blaine Gabbert, um, and then whomever the Saints throw out there, because I don't think that Jameis and or Andy Dalton are under contract, so they got to figure out what their quarterback situation is going to be. Somehow, some way, currently, <laughs> the, the Atlanta Falcons looking forward are the most stable team in the NFC South, and I think that plays a lot to their benefit, especially with uh, all the things that they can do uh, with the money that they have. And uh, hopefully they swing for the fences for a quarterback because the, they could have a chokehold on the division if they find one. I don't know if they need to do that. I think Ritter showed enough. He got better week over week. He just strikes me as a the next version of Alex Smith. Like he is an Alex Smith type to me. And I think that they should focus on replenishing every other part of this roster before they address quarterback again. I think... Look, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate like Ryan Tannehill being brought in to compete with I think that that is a very high possibility that that happens just because of the ties from Tennessee and whatnot. So I, yeah. I very much keep an eye out for that, which is fine. Like that kind of I just don't want to use a draft pick on um, I think the Falcons will draft six or something. They're somewhere around six right now. He could be worse than Ryan Tannehill, too. Like he's a sneaky 35 years old. Like he's older mm-hmm. than people think, but. He, beat up he doesn't have the expectations anymore of no, being no, a day still, one starter. still more athletic than some quarterbacks he can still move around a little bit like i you can do worse than ryan T- if ryan sano is the quarterback for the falcons next year i think they're a nine or ten win team yeah i would agree um when we look at the cardinals this is your this is your opportunity evan the nfc west just becoming a dumpster fire outside of the san francisco 49ers and seattle seahawks who look like they're going to be in control of this division for the next couple of years. The Cardinals clean house. Uh, I never thought that Kime would actually be out. I thought he would just get a 30 year deal. This man has been around for an extremely long period of time. All kinds of crazy stuff uh, happening uh, along the, the way here. Um, he's had the highs of highs getting this team to a Super Bowl. He built a Super Bowl team, which feels like forever ago with Kurt Warner and company. Um, but, you know, this is uh, gone bad uh, with Cliff Kingsbury and company. Um, they clean house, Cliff Kingsbury out, Steve Kime out. I mean, what do you make of the Cardinals doing this vast sweep and just starting over going into next I, year, Evan? I mean, I think it was necessary. Kime uh, notoriously has trouble with alcoholism um, and has gotten in a lot of trouble with DUIs. Uh, he is one of those situations in the NFL that I, unfortunately we still deal with where it seems kind of like a good old boys club where it's like he should have been out a long time ago. Um, that said, you know, the Cliff Kingsbury stuff is wild. Uh, I don't think it's uh, very often, nor will it happen anytime soon again, where you extend a quarter or a coach and your quarterback and then fire the, the coach within a year. Um, I don't think that he should have been there in the first place. It was a weird hire to begin with, but They've at least done what you need to do if you plan on trying to really, you know, set your team up for success. You have a very talented quarterback, although he has his own issues. And uh, I wouldn't say you have really many foundational pieces. There's some 
you know, some players there that are, I think are interesting. Um, but it's a full reset. It's a full reset with a quarterback. And I think that often is not easy to accomplish. You know, most times it's a full reset without a quarterback. So they're at least in that situation. Um, I can't make really any kind of predictions until we see who they hire. Uh, I was bothered by, or not bothered, but it is a worrisome that they said that they're not necessarily removing Keem Kime entirely from the franchise, that he might stick around in other roles. And I don't know what that is or why that is, unless he just knows where the bodies are hidden. Um, but, you know, that said, if, as a 49ers fan, not worried about the Cardinals anytime soon. Jarrett, when you look at the possibilities for a head coach GM combo, who makes the most sense for you in Arizona? Where do you think they should go? Oh, I'm going to agree with Evan on the fact that this is a weird hire. And I wanted to point out this tweet from my buddy Thor Nystrom on Cliff Kingsbury. He went 16 and 21 with Patrick Mahomes in the Big 12. He chose Davis Webb over Baker Mayfield. His only eight win season in six years with his Tuberville's recruits. NFL fans, don't be sheep. The Ryan Gosling thing wears off after enough losses. Aztec, his alma mater, who fired him. So, never really a, a great hire in the first place with, Cliff's King, with Cliff Kingsbury. In terms of hires, um, I don't know, man. I mean, we're going to see the the usual suspects that are going to be thrown out that have been thrown out with, you know, the, the names hovering around right now, like are the, are the Cardinals going to get aggressive and try to, you know, swing for Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton. We'll see. Um, in terms of, you know, guys who could come in, uh, are they going to go the offensive route? Or are they going to go the defensive coordinator route? You know, maybe Dan Quinn gets a call. Uh, maybe somebody like Kellen Moore gets a call uh, in Dallas. Um, Ben Johnson and I think Ben Johnson in Detroit would be the one to pay attention to because I think that him mm. and Kyler Murray would be so much fun to watch together, man. So Ben Johnson, Detroit offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, Philadelphia offensive coordinator. Um, I think that there's a lot of uh, overlap on what you could do with Kyler Murray that you do with Jalen Hurts. So those would probably be my two biggest ones to watch out for would be Ben Johnson and Shane Steichen. Um any wild cards I've hell, I don't know. Press Taylor maybe in Jacksonville, but he's only been an offensive coordinator for this is only his first year as an offensive coordinator with the Jaguars. So he, he's Zach's brother, play, right? What's that? He's Zach Taylor's brother, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So there's he might have to wait another year, but we've seen guys who I mean Brandon Staley was a one and done in terms of a defensive coordinator and got a, a head coaching job. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Josh McCown, <laughs> maybe. I think that you know, the only team that he was talking to was the Texans. So um, I think that they'll keep they'll go the offensive route, but whomever they bring in needs to get you know a good defensive coordinator to 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 fix whatever is going on on that side of the ball because they haven't had. I mean, that's been the problem for that team for the last however long. Like they bring in guys that they have high hopes for, they just don't end up turning out you know what they think like. Isaiah Simmons was supposed to be a huge draft pick and they just never figured out a way to use him. He got better as time went on, but he's not lived up to what everybody thought he was going to be. Buda Baker's fine. Um, but you know, they, they lose a guy like a uh, Jordan Hicks to, to Minnesota and it shows in the middle of their defense. They, they need somebody who's going to fix that. And, um, whomever that may be, you know, I would expect them to bring somebody from their current staff with them. So, there's a lot of work to do on that side of the ball, but the fun possibilities you can have with Ben Johnson and or Shane Steichen with Kyler Murray and that offense would be would be limitless. You also got to worry, though, and this is something we're going to see around the NFL. I'm curious to see how these prospective head coaches view these jobs, because, I mean, the Rams job, if McVay retires, you look at that, 
you're going to lose a lot of football games for the foreseeable future. Even if Matt Stafford comes back, which he said today that he's planning to come back, which I still just don't understand. Or that's one of those. You're saying that now. Let's just wait it out until July and you see if Sean McVay retires and Donald retires and you go up and down the list. You're like, oh, everyone's gone. Um, I just I look around. The league, I'm like, who wants the, the Russell Wilson uh, redemption project who wants to deal with what we know about kyler behind the scenes and going into this year who wants to sign up for that and i understand there's only 32 of these jobs available but i think well you have to be very careful depending on who you are like where you are in the candidate is this job number two for you is this this job for those two i think should be like a first-time job because you're like hey if, if it doesn't work out with kyler or me reviving russell wilson's career i think i could be i could spin that into getting another shot if this is your last opportunity, this is job number two or three, I would stay away from these kind of jobs because I think there's just they're highly combustible. And I don't know. I want to tie my head coaching future to these two quarterbacks. I think it's just I would probably be higher on Arizona to this point. And it's also you don't have to play in the Chiefs division, which is nice. But I don't know. The thing with that, though, is that we both of these franchises went with first time NFL head coaches and it bit them in the butt. Denver yeah. especially. So I think that they're going to look to guys who have been there, done that rather than, okay, let's just go find, you know, uh, now I think that guys, like I mentioned, like Johnson and Steichen are fine choices in terms of Arizona. I think for Denver though, you know, when you have such a big swing and miss, like at least the Cardinals had a playoff appearance, they were relevant. Um, the wheels just kind of fell off the Broncos. I think that, that, you know, we're seeing, okay, they're going to interview Jim Harbaugh. They're going to interview Sean Payton. They're going to interview Dan Quinn guys who have all been head coaches in the league guys who all had success in the league. Mm. Um, so I think that for Denver more so they need an established guy. They need somebody who, um, can, can come in with credibility. And if they can't fix Russell Wilson, I think that that's when everybody's like, okay, this is, this wasn't a head coaching thing. This is Russell's just done. Um, and I think that that's more of a job for a veteran head coach than, you know, a first time guy. Um, so I think that the veteran, the veterans will lean more toward Denver or more so Denver will lead more toward veteran head coaches. Arizona would be more keen to bring in, you know, these, uh, up and coming offensive coordinators to try to pair up their younger dynamic quarterback. Evan, did Lovey Smith deserve to be fired after one year with Houston? So. This is an interesting topic for me, and I actually Googled some things specifically for this reason. Um, I am of the mind that black coaches in the NFL uh, are constantly given less chances, uh, if any at all. Uh, they are, you know, there are a lot of situations where you feel like they got a bad shake or they weren't really given an opportunity to to do a good job. Um, I do think, in the context of the Texans, Lovey Smith probably deserved a little bit more chance, but I will remind the world that not only did he, you know, really struggle at towards the end in Chicago and then ended up taking a job as the head coach in Illinois, which was a, you know, huge step down. He then proceeded to go in the four seasons at Illinois, three and nine, two and 10, four and eight, then six and seven. Um, He failed as a college head coach miserably. And then he really only got the position in for the, in Houston because there weren't any other real candidates. I mean, they basically hired Lovey as like a this is all we got. So I don't know that he got a fair shake. 
And, you know, obviously I'm a huge fan of what he did in winning and going for two to guarantee that they don't get the number one overall pick. That 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 takes some cojones. Um, or it also just says that that man knew that he was not going to be retained on Monday right. and was like, this is <laughs> I'm going out. the I'm going out a winner. If I'm going out, I'm not just propelling this organization into the number one pick going forward, which if he actually did that with that in mind, legendary stuff from Levy Smith. I don't know if Lovey is right now uh, in this position a head coach material candidate in the NFL, um, but you know, I hope that he they you know he finds a good position. I don't know if he should be going back to college, um, but it's all it's you know it's a catch twenty two. The, the Texans were a terrible team. They had a terrible roster. Uh, you know they've really and they're also a, a terribly run organization with a horrible owner this is just bad all across the board so there's no real winner here uh at all because it was just terrible all around the only real winners are the people that got to watch him effectively uh sabotage them getting the number one overall pick that was awesome and we also nothing, just they can't... also have the worst name oh, in football, ahead, the worst uniforms in football and it's just i think they're doing a rebrand this offseason right didn't they I announce so, man they, i'm pretty sure they're doing everything. a rebrand i i hope so there should be a giant rivalry in Texas. This is the massive state full of people that can't spell and love football. And it is discernibly insane to me that they don't have a great. Why don't they play every year? Houston and exactly. Dallas should play every year. That should be just something that happens every year. Like, why would they not play every year? That's so weird. So I I, I would love to see a better rivalry because mm. right now the only rivalry they really have is like Dak Prescott and throwing interceptions. Mm. You know, like that's like the only real rivalry. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. They should just go back to the Oilers colors. If they can't completely rebrand to calling themselves the Oilers, just make the Texans the Oilers colors and just go back to that branding at least. I would agree with that. Those look good. Or yeah. orange and white. Just do the like the Ooh. the creamsicles. Like do that for Houston. I would That'd be nice. I would do something like that. Kind of like what the Rockets were like with Elijah Wan, that red. Yeah, and yeah, I would like that. Yeah, or like the Spurs did with like a maybe like a baby blue and baby orange. I'd like that. Yeah. I like when cities match. Like Pittsburgh do obviously too. does it the best. I love when there's uh, continuity across the board. It's cool. I, I like stuff like that. Agreed. Um, I will say too, there aren't many, if any, African American um, general managers who are getting three head coaches in three years. Uh, if yeah. they're they're a GM, like they're Nick Casario is getting like Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com pointed this out. It's unbelievable that Nick Casario is getting three head coaching hires in three years. Um. That is um, not great. And let's just go ahead and say that that's not normal um, for uh, a GM to get that level, uh, that many swings at head coach um, before uh, they are uh, themselves fired. Uh, Evan, this is, I'm, I'm teeing this up for you. This is your Super Bowl right here. This is the Evan Swartz Super Bowl, Jarrett. Evan, how much did you enjoy seeing the Packers go down last night on Sunday Night Football? on fourth and short with Jared Goff finding DJ Chark uh, to end the Packers season with the ball in their court. Like Packers just had to win and they were in one, four straight. And then it was over. The Lions yeah. did it. You know, I, 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 the football's a weird sport, right? Cause naturally I don't, as a human being, I really don't uh, like arrogant, like douchebags. 
I don't know how else to say it. Like those, those type of people, when I'm around them, I'm like, I don't want to be around this person. And like Aaron Rodgers to me has just become the ultimate arrogant douchebag. And the Lions did a very good job of painting that picture. They clipped all together all the times where, you know, Rodgers is like, uh, you know, we're not going to lose this team. And like that, you know, they're an unserious team and all the things. You just basically like, you know, all we have to do is is beat the Lions. It should be easy. Like we, you know, he literally said, like, it's look at my record in December. You know what I mean? Like, so he's like going out of the way to just make all of these clips. And the Lions are a feel-good story, man. You know, uh, I I loved seeing it. I love seeing it. I will say, um, it's kind of almost boring at this point, though. Aaron Rodgers failing in the postseason or at this point failing to get into the postseason, it's boring because it's it's guaranteed. Guar- guaranteed Aaron Rodgers will not be successful in the postseason. And now he's not even getting into the postseason. So, you know, we got to figure out if he's coming back again. I'm sure he'll do 16 interviews on the McCaffrey podcast, and I won't care about any of them. I'm over it. I'm over the Aaron Rodgers show. Uh, the only thing that was like good about Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years is that he was one of, if not the most dominant quarterbacks we've ever seen. And it's like, we didn't even get that this year. He did have his moments. He would, you know, uh, statistically he looked great and he, you know, things like that, but like he wasn't what they needed to, you know, get past losing Devonte Adams, how I talked about in the beginning of the season. Uh, and all of these other things. Uh, the NFC has a lot of exciting contenders going forward next year. I don't see the Packers as a part of that equation. Uh, if Aaron stays, if he doesn't stay, obviously not. I don't think anyone would expect that. Um, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers, all bark, no bite. And uh, I'm, I couldn't be happier. Jarrett. Did you share that sentiment? How much of this falls on Aaron Rodgers for you? Or is Matt LaFleur not catching strays be kind of a weird thing uh, at this point with two uh, seasons in a row where he lost at home as the number one seed in the playoffs, one to the Bucks, one to the Niners. And then this year at home in Lambeau week 18, all you have to do is win and you're in against the Lions, and he can't do that either. And a lot of it came down to offensive issues. Yeah, I think Lafleur de- deserves a lot more of the blame than he's getting. I mean, I I'm notoriously a guy who likes Aaron Rodgers, um, mm. so I might be a little bit more of a Rodgers defender than most. Don't I'm I'm not I promise I'm not picking my nose. I'm adjusting my nose ring. It keeps like itching. Um, but yeah, it, it was a weird year coming in, knowing that, okay, it's going to be Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, and I guess Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, sure, let's pick him up, Randall Cobb, yeah, why not? Um, and yeah, none of that ended up panning out except for Christian Watson, but at that point it was, you know, they were already, what, three and seven, and it was too little too late. Um, so you look at, Aaron Rodgers' numbers, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, passer rating in 91. The passer rating, the lowest of his career as, as a full-time starter. Um, so there was a definite step back in his play. 3,600, we'll say 3,700 yards. His lowest career passing yardage as a starter, full-time starter. So we, we kind of saw um, Aaron Rodgers take a really big step back. They had to rely a lot more on the run game, but they couldn't run the ball a lot of the time either. It was just, 
there, there were some rough, rough stretches for the Packers this year. And um, what they do going forward, if Aaron Rodgers is there, if he's not, you know, this uh, we could be when we talk about the Rams being uh, having a grim outlook. The Packers could be right there with him. Um, so we'll see what he decides to do in terms of Aaron Rodgers and his future. If he retires, if he says he wants to go somewhere else and play and then who his suitors would be. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the Packers are right up there in terms of grim futures with uh, with the Rams. Now, the the good thing is that, you know, their head coach isn't pondering stepping down. So they've got that going for them. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, a lot of uncertainty in Green Bay. Roger said after the game, uh, this coming from the AP, at some point the carousel comes to a stop and it's time to get off. And I think you kind of know when that is. And that's what needs to be contemplated. Is it time? Also, what's the organization doing? That's part of it as well. But the competitive, competitive fire is always going to be there. I don't think that ever goes away. So I just, I don't think he's had to, like people really latched onto him not giving up his jersey to Jamison Williams. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to make this decision anytime soon. I think uh, he, like in that point where the organization aspect of it, I think he's going to want to see some changes. Um, Christian Watson coming on late is huge for them because uh, that looked like a may, maybe a major whiff uh, early this year. And he looks like a great player. Dobbs, I'm still pretty high on. I think they have skill talent. I mean, we'll see with Bakhtiari at left tackle going into next year. Uh, probably need to show up the offensive line, uh, invest a little bit more uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Quay Walker cannot keep getting ejected twice a year. Uh, your first round pick. He, um, he should absolutely get a suspension to start. Next dude, d- never in the history ever again will a player attack a trainer multiple times in one year. What? How is that the same? Like, like, the mentality needed to be in that moment and be like, I'm going to do it one time and have everyone around you go, what the hell is wrong with you? And then he gets in trouble and then to do it again. Like this week of all weeks, by the way, right? Yeah. This week of all weeks, that was wild. And his reaction where he's like, what is going Like he acted like he didn't know what it, like why he was getting a flag thrown on him. The other guy, what was it? 59 or whatever. The other guy got away with it. Yeah. The other guy was kind of in his face too. But I think it the first one, I know what you're talking about, I think it was 95 who I got in his face I after. Could be dyslexic. And I'm pretty certain, I mean, it was just obvious, but it was just one of those things where you just can't believe that that's actually a, a response. And um, LaFleur said after the game, I've got a much higher standard for our players than to do silly things like that. I mean, we've had a guy get ejected twice. I don't think I've ever seen that in my career. And we've got to be much more mentally tough, like just dumbfounded. You can tell, like, I, what do you even say? about a, your first round pick getting tossed twice for shoving um, a medical professional. Like, what what are we doing? Um, so I don't know what's going on uh, with Quay Walker, but you've also invested a lot in Quay because he was your first round pick uh, this year. So uh, he has to be a big part of where they go going forward. The Lions started one and six, went eight of their last 10. Um, an incredible end. Uh, Jamal Williams is an absolute delight. He uh, broke uh, the Barry Sanders record that he set my birth year in 91 uh, for single season touchdown runs with 17. So shout out to Jamal Williams, who is just uh, seems like a delightful human being. And uh, I had no I'm idea you for Jamal Williams, too, by the way. So he'll yeah. uh, sounds like he wants to stay in Detroit, though. So which is I cool. Think that, I, I think that they'll bring him back. Evan, do you know what he was talking about? I, I'm not an anime guy. Do you know what he was talking about when he introduced himself uh, so, on Sunday Night Football? So I'm not a Naruto guy myself. So it was Naruto. Uh, he was yeah, Naru- and Naruto is like, there's like 8 million episodes. So it's like anyone that's not watching, you're not going to start. It's like 
it's like you know it's it's a very long process mm. um but the their the headband that he that he wore is a very obvious this is naruto so um i was i was familiar when he started talking about what it is uh he had mentioned it earlier in the season you know i love him i th- i think he's fantastic i think he's great for the nfl but i will say i'm like okay we get it dude you don't you like like it's like he's like a woody doll from toy Story. every time you pull the string on his back he's like i don't watch tv it's like dog we get it we know you don't watch tv you like anime like we get it. It's like it was super fun and cute the first three times, but like he like kept saying it again last night. I'm like, everyone knows at this point that you don't watch TV. It's like the only thing you say if you are interviewed. It just doesn't bother me because he's nice. I, it, it doesn't bother me because his demeanor's nice. It, right. it, it yeah, it goes he, a long way. He's a fantastic addition to the NFL in terms of media and personality. Like mm. the fact that we're getting rid of Antonio Browns and we're bringing in guys like this, like it's great. It's a great win for everyone. And I, I can't stress this enough. If we're on a sports podcast, I tweeted this, but like, it's so weird to me that the lions have a good running back. Hmm. Like say that again, one more time, the lions have a good running back to mm-hmm. the point that they broke Barry Sanders touchdown record. I have been alive for 34 years, 35 in a couple weeks. I've never known the lions to have a good running back in like my adult years. And, you know, Swift is a great, uh, rotational piece. In addition, now that, you know, that he's here, but Swift was not any Swiss Swift was just another lions running back in my opinion, before Williams came in here. So, it's insane. There's no, like, what team can you think of that has been missing on a position for so long other than, like, the Bears and quarterbacks than the, the Lions and a running back? The Falcons and drafting edge rushers? I mean, that's, yeah, Grady Jarrett's big enough to, like, you know. Well, he's three technique, I guess, if you want to. No, I know, out, but yeah. I'm saying, like, he's, like, he's big enough to kind of, like, fit both roles. Well, speaking of, did you see him jump the snap? Uh <laughs> Against the Bucks this week, <laughs> I thought he was offsides, but he get, he jumped it at an unbelievable time and just crushed Brady. I, I just I love Grady Jarrett. He's a he's a delight. He's one of the rare delights on Falcon Sundays, each and every week. Um, we'll end on this, Jarrett. The best game this weekend will be which one? Ooh, I love Jaguars Chargers. I think it'll mm. be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert. Now they already did play once this year. At the beginning of the year, the Jaguars destroyed the Chargers. I don't think it'll be quite that again, but it is in Duval, and I love, 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 love Jaguars fans. So that'll be fun. Bills Dolphins should be fun. Raheem Mostert won't be. Looks like he's not playing. He's got a broken thumb. Mm. Um, but everybody knows about my. The Can he not Dolphins. club it? I saw that. Can he not oh, do no, the club? Might. Depends on depends on the hand it's on. Um, but mm. we'll see. Um, yeah, everybody knows the Dolphins Twitter's beef with me, so I'll be rooting very hard for the Buffalo Bills, and I'm not gonna pretend I'm not. It's gonna um, be easy team to root for throughout the postseason. Yeah. Dude, I want them to win it all so so bad. Um and Bengals Ravens, we just saw that last week, so we'll get a, a quick turnaround on that as well. Looks like Lamar will be playing. There's not any games that I don't th- that I think are gonna like be horrible. Um Vikings and Giants. I think the I thought we're going to see two upsets in the NFC side. I think the Giants are going to beat the Vikings, and I think the Bucks are going to beat the Cowboys. Um, I, Dallas just looks broken. Dak does not look good. Um, and Brady in the playoffs, they, they look bad all year. Don't care. It's in Tampa. They've uh, Tampa Bay's had Dallas's number the past couple of years. I think they're two and zero over the past two matchups. Three and zero over the last three matchups. Something of that sort. So. 
Um, yeah, I, I like. I like the upset in terms of Tampa Bay. I know that they're the higher seed, but Dallas is – I don't know what the opening line of that is, but I, I assume Dallas is the favorite. Three, point, three points. Oh, yeah. that's I will I will gladly bet Tampa Bay money line there. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of exciting football. Evan, what about you? Who's your game of the weekend? What do you think is going to be the best four yeah. hours of everybody's time? I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I think the rivalry that Seattle and San Francisco has had for so long uh, to be renewed, um, you know, that's going to be an exciting story. You remember the last time that they met in the postseason was one of the most polarizing, sad or happy moments in football that we can think of with Richard Sherman tipping the football. Right. Um, so to have wait this long to go back to the playoffs, to play them. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Now, if I'm not talking about that, I would have loved to have seen Raheem Mostert healthy in the playoffs. That would have been a great story, especially with what he did in the playoffs when he was healthy, Niners Super Bowl run year. Um, I'm very excited to see Justin Herbert finally play in a playoff game. Um, I think that the Chargers are going to win. The Jaguars' defense is incredible, and it's going to be hard for them to win, but I, I – I'm hoping, at least in all of my Oregon uh, fandom and my Justin Herbert fandom, I'm hoping that we see a very uh, good game from from Justin Herbert. But shout out to his moronic head coach that didn't that that sat his starters all throughout preseason, but didn't set, sit his starters in a meaningless game in which Mike Williams, their star wide receiver got injured yeah that'd be something to watch throughout the week if he's uh gonna be good to go or not uh but i do think we have a good slate of football um just across the board it's gonna be great to see the cowboys lose you know it's gonna be great which to by see. the way is gonna have big ramifications because if they lose mike mccarthy is absolutely getting canned and jerry jones is gonna hold sean payton at gunpoint until he signs a contract i i think that is very obviously a, a possibility if the niners so if the the bucks win and win the niners win uh do they play each other or are they going to play the the winner of giants vikings they'll, if the giants win then they'll play the giants um well no depends on how it goes because the number one seed will play the lowest possible seed if the 49ers win they'll play the second lowest seed so it all depends on what other games go or, or what right. the results are uh, but yeah, I am. I am excited. Uh, great to see. You know, the Dolphins have sucked the last month and a half, but it will be very fun to see Mike McDaniel in the playoffs. Uh, I hope that they've got a little bit of energy and juice in them, but I just don't know if anybody's going to be able to beat uh, Buffalo, especially uh, riding off the high of you know Hamlin being now out of the hospital and uh, released medically from the hospital. I think is an incredible story, and I'm very excited. The yep. opening kick return was insane. Dude. He did it twice. By the way, you know, was Naheem Hines returning kicks like that in Indianapolis? I don't believe so. Because, I mean, what a what a lost opportunity. He is kicking ass. I got to say this, too. As somebody who has like struggled with a belief in any sort of higher power, the fact that that was the first time that the Bills had a kickoff return touchdown in three years and three months that uh mm. i don't know man no words yeah yeah I, I i i i am similar to you in that moment and i feel like every now and then something will happen where i'll be like a little heavy-handed don't you think <laughs> you know a little on the nose so very you know uh prayers and shout out to hamlin hope i hope he's doing 
great and he's such a great story he's, he seems like he's in such good spirits uh, i i hope he's going to be able to be at the game even to watch i don't know if that's going to be possible but i feel like see. it is he's back in buffalo and if he's discharged like there's really i don't know i'm not a medic i'm not a doctor so i should, probably shouldn't yeah. speculate <laughs> um but there you go uh jared what can the good folks check out from you around the internet this week um three options for the bears uh with the number one overall pick that'll drop tomorrow and then since everybody else is doing mock dress i'm going to be doing mine uh for bears wire in usa today so check those out uh the newsletter yeah subscribe my to my newsletter that's where i'll do more like league-wide stuff um a lot of uh coverage all week from the senior bowl and then the combine so subscribe to the newsletter for all the write-ups of all that stuff uh my thoughts on the coaching carousel quarterback stuff all of that that'll be more so in the newsletter uh, rather than uh, the Bears Wire and whether it's 49ers Sports Illustrated, Steelers Sports Illustrated, all that other stuff. Um, so the newsletter and the podcast, Bumpick, um, is where you can get most of that stuff. But yeah, that's what I'll be writing this week. And then uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday, I'll do a wildcard preview uh, for the Bumpick podcast. There you go. Evan, 49ershub.com. Yeah. Evan, uh, Evan Swords on Twitter. I, I dude, the 49ers hub website and Twitter account is just like l- lingering in the wind. I wish someone would come up and be like, I will run that because I'm not doing it. Well, hit him up. Um, hit him up if you want to run it. Yeah, yeah. You know, by all means. And outside of that, uh, yeah, make sure to, to, to go and, and check out the pump fake and give uh, <laughs> chase, uh, chase Thomas, the five-star ratings that he do- so desperately deserves. Uh, and more than anything. And the pump fake five stars for both. Yes, of course. Uh, but more than anything, it is Seattle hate week. We are not <laughs> drinking Starbucks. We are not using Windows operating systems. We are absolutely not listening to Macklemore. Were we before? Um, yeah, I was going to say who was before. Listen, that. that's between you and God. But this mm-hmm. week especially, we are. it is anti. I can't say what I want to say because this is a, a podcast uh, amongst God and children. Um <laughs> But yeah, no respect towards Seattle as a, a staff record label or a crew. Uh, Fraser Crane, suck <laughs> it. Everybody else, it's it's Niners week, baby. Go Niners. That's there all. There you got. go. Fraser I like Crane. it. Evan, so, Jared, a bit before your time. Before your time, it must be. Ah, there you go, <laughs> Evan, Jared. Thank you as always. Uh, you guys have yourself a great week, and I'll talk to you both soon. All right, buddy. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, Mm -hmm. um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.